Hey, for the first time, my name is Calvary, and I'm the pastor here, and just want to say welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We are so glad that you are part of our service today, and we're hoping that we can uh, just uh, continue to connect with God. We started early this morning praying for the Holy Spirit to be active and present. One of my favorite ways to pray, active and present. Holy Spirit, would you just be with us today? So... Uh, you know, they told me about a black car that had the alarm going off before the service, and I thought, well, that's fine because, you know, we can, we'll know whoever it is after the service has started when they leave, but it's too late now. All the movement, nobody knows. <laughs> Big secret. Hey, uh, I do want to say one thing. As we come into this season of all of the things that are beginning to happen at the church, the um, holiday season, we have, uh, it won't be very long before as Lucas mentioned, Christmas, he was talking about that. The Christmas tree walk will be happening this year, and um, uh, Jordan Spencer is going to be leading that with some other people, and uh, if you want to help with that, see her. Also, uh, we're going to be doing some things for Thanksgiving, and um, I think this year we're going to try to do a, a trunk or treat, so it's just... Um, just a lot of fun things going on. It's that season, right? It's fall. It's about to be fall. I think it was such a hot summer. We're trying as hard as we can to usher it in. Like, let's, come on. We're, we're like, we're done with the heat, right? I don't know if you guys are. I am. All right. So you guys know I like jokes. Uh, I told Teresa one last night. I'm not sure if it'll go over very well today, but uh, let's try. What, what was the last thing that the gold miner said? I see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> no, think on that for a minute. Uh, <laughs> that's how I feel about today. I see the light at the end of the tunnel with our uh, season, our summer of spiritual formation. We just have a couple of weeks left. We've been on spiritual formation for a while now. Spiritual disciplines uh, will be this week and next week. And then in two weeks, we're going to be doing... Some of you who have been here, I think, did this once uh, four or five years ago, five years ago, just before I came, a covenant renewal service. Uh, we're going to do a covenant renewal service, and if you want to know more about that, then, uh, man, you're going to have to be here in two weeks. It's going to be a fun time for us, though, and uh, it's, it's been a journey for sure, and I can see that we're kind of getting towards the end of it, and, you know, I think after a, a long enough time on any one topic, we all kind of are like, all right, let's go on with it. But I want you to know spiritual formation is such a key to our growth in Christ. And we started out this year, if you remember, God telling us to re-engage. Re-engage spiritually. Re-engage um, as a community to, to re-engage. And I think it's time. Spiritual formation is key to us being able to re-engage. So uh, we learned last week about disciplines. The spiritual disciplines are divided into three different categories. There's inward disciplines, outward disciplines, and corporate disciplines. And we talked about these a little bit. Last week we focused on the inward disciplines. Um, we listed prayer, meditation, fasting, and Bible study. We focused on prayer and um, arguably the most important of the disciplines because that is a direct line of communication we have with God. Uh, today we're going to be talking about outward disciplines. Next week, the corporate disciplines. But, you know, we're all built differently and uh, we all have different ways of connecting with God. And 
I think that it's important that we focus on not only the things that we're strong in, but also the things that we're weak in. We talked about those being the shadow side of our personality, the, the lesser side, the things that we don't, the part of our personality we don't really attend to very often. Now John Wesley called the, uh, the spiritual disciplines, he called them means of grace. He believed that there was a way we could attend to the grace of God in our lives. God's grace, which is love and favor, undeserved, poured out on us. God's grace is connected with us in a very special way. He doesn't give us more of his grace necessarily. His grace is being poured out to us. It's just, are we connecting with that grace? We need to be careful in pursuing the means of grace that we don't make those our religion. The doing of the disciplines can become the thing that is the most important to us. But the disciplines are tools that help us in pursuing a heart renewed after the image of Christ. They're tools, they're ways, that, things that we can do to attend to the grace of God in our lives, to his work. So the whole purpose of the means of grace is to draw us closer to God. If they're not doing that, then they're not serving their purpose. So we don't let it become about the things that we do, but more about the relationship with God. All right, and the disciplines, they're, they're outward signs, words, or actions that are ordained by God that conveys his grace to us. You guys with me? All right, just a recap, just a recap. We're going to get into it. Uh, remember, there's no power in the disciplines themselves. No amount of prayer is going to do anything for you if you're not connecting with God through that prayer. It has to be a connection with God. All right, so today we're going to turn our, our attention toward the outward disciplines. And, and as I get towards these um, disciplines, and there's a lot of things that you can take notes on. You can also go to the uh, Bible app or the, the church's app and download the, uh, if you don't have it yet, download the church app, look for the sermon notes, and these will also be in there. All right, so uh, I'm going to talk about, we have the outward disciplines, evangelism, acts of service, simplicity, and all of those things. We're going to talk about those today. I'm going to focus on acts of service, but I do want to highlight some of these, like evangelism, for instance. Evangelism is spreading the gospel message. But we want to be careful to remember that the message of God, the, the message presented by Jesus is a discovery of his kingdom. I think over time, it, we, and maybe in an attempt to simplify the message of Jesus, we've reduced it to be um, only about Jesus dying on the cross so that we can go to heaven, which is true. It is about Jesus dying on the cross, but that's not all that it's about. The way Jesus presented it, the, the gospel message is a discovery of his kingdom. It's, it's, we've used the word holistic. Maybe you hadn't heard that before. Holistic. It's all-encompassing. It, it's everything. The kingdom of God is a place where everything that happens meets with his approval and his delight. It is a place where Jesus reigns supreme. It is a place where Jesus is the Son of God and where he did die for our sins and was raised again three days later. It is by the blood of Jesus that we have been set free and are forgiven. But it is also a place where the poor and the marginalized are welcomed in. It's this kingdom of God mindset. And that is what evangelism is. Sometimes it's done with words. You guys have probably heard uh, the phrase, preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. 
I don't know, I, I was curious about that, so I did a little research. St. Francis of Assisi actually was credited with saying that. That's not what he said. If you dig into it, what he actually said was Proclaim the proclaiming the gospel by example is more virtuous than actually proclaiming with voice. Proclaiming the gospel by example is more virtuous than actually proclaiming with voice. I grew up and my uh, pastor that I have great respect for is also a reason that I'm in ministry today under his mentorship. He used to quote a, a, a poem. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely show the way. It is so important that our evangelism is more than only spoken words. And then another, and these are disciplines, right? So as we evangelize, as we're showing people and talking to people about what the gospel message is, it is a way that the means of grace, God's grace, his love and favor are, is opened up to us and we receive it in a, a, a more profound way. Another outward means of grace is stewardship. When we talk about stewardship, a lot of people here say, uh, give us your money. <laughs> stewardship, we want your money. But that's not what stewardship is. Stewardship is the care and management of that which belongs to another. The care and management of that which belongs to another. Now, if you think on that for a moment, it's going to take you deep. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? You understand? What do you have that you did not receive? So it is from God that we have received our lives and everything in our lives. Does that make a sense? So stewardship is everything about who we are. It is us. We are stewarding our lives and everything in our lives. It's not only our money. It does include our money. But it also includes our time and our gifts and our talents he has given us certain things. Everything is a gift from God. The air that you're breathing now, what are you doing with your life? Steward well what God has given you. And as you steward well those things, it is a way that the grace of God is poured out on you. We are able to connect with, it's an outwards way of connecting with God. His love and favor is is poured into your life by stewardship. Probably the reason that we hear about money so often, or that's what the perception is, is because money and possessions are so important to us. So that's what we think about immediately. But I'll tell you what's at a premium also is time. There is not enough of it to go around. There just isn't. I'm going to tell a story of my kids here. They probably get tired of hearing that when they were babies. But um, our oldest, Morgan's 15. She's going to be 16 in December. She was 11 when we moved here. And she was two yesterday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the time happens. So there's just not enough of it. So the time you have, be good stewards with that time. And oh, by the way, the money that you have, the possessions you have, how are you using those things to glorify God? 
one of the reasons we practice tithing is to show God that our money and our possessions are not more important to us than he is. He's the most important thing to us. The thing that Jesus spoke about, I'm going to say something, I don't mean to say out of, uh, out of turn, but they've calculated percentages and he spoke more often about those things, uh, money and possessions than anything else. We're only stewarding whatever God has given us anyway. So that's why we practice tithing. All right, and then simplicity. The Christian discipline of simplicity, this is an interesting one. It's an inward reality of an outward lifestyle. Simplicity is simplifying your life. We have too much stuff, right? At the end of the day, we just, we have too much stuff. We have, I was doing some checking in the United States and how wealthy we are. And um, the average square foot of homes and dwellings in the world is under 900 square feet on average. Most of us in here are like, I, I, my closet's 900 square feet. <laughs> Maybe not most of us, but you know who you are. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm, I'm joking. But at the same time, we are so blessed here. And just think that your 3,000 square foot home is increasing that. It's 900 square feet average in the world. Without the houses in the United States, what would it be? Like, Simplicity. We just have a lot of stuff. It's simplifying our life. There's a Jewish Proverbs. It's so interesting. There's a, a version of the Bible called the Jerusalem Bible. It, it didn't make, some of what's in there didn't make the, uh, be, being canonized in the scripture. But in Ecclesiastes 7.30, which you won't find in your NIV, in the, in the Jerusalem Bible, there's a Jewish proverb. It says, God made man simple. Man's complex problems are of his own devising. <laughs> Right? He made us simple. We're just simple people, man. We complicate it. It begins in inward focus and unity. There's misery from a simple lack of, precision, uh, of provision, just as there's misery in too much provision. Simplicity sets us free to receive the provision of God as a gift. Simplicity is going to be one of the harder disciplines for us. But it is this, to seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of that kingdom. Righteousness, social and personal, is to seek first his kingdom. All right, the next one, solitude. Now, solitude is more a state of mind and heart than it is a place. It's not necessarily finding a place that you're alone. It can be. But solitude. Loneliness is inner emptiness. Don't confuse it with solitude, which is inner fulfillment. It's not loneliness. It's fulfillment. Our fear of being alone drives us towards crowds and towards noise where it's nearly impossible to focus on Jesus. We can't stand to be alone. We don't want to be alone. And, and it's, it's hard because we associate aloneness 
with loneliness. It doesn't have to be that way. I was, anybody watch the, uh, there's a TV show on the History Channel called Alone. This is amazing. I love it. I joked with Teresa because our life is not simple. <laughs> I joked that if I was on the show alone, my segment would be really boring. It'd be like, oh, here's Cal and he's taking another nap. <laughs> oh, here he is. He's asleep again. <laughs> what are you eating? I don't need to eat. I just want to sleep. <laughs> Solitude is silence. Sometimes silence involves the absence of speech. Pay attention. But it always involves the act of listening. Sometimes it's the absence of speech, but it's always the act of listening. And the purpose of solitude is to get quiet before God so you can see and hear. You got to get quiet before God. And this is an easy one. Solitude as a way of opening our hearts to the grace of God, to his love, to, to form us spiritually so we can connect with him in a special way, create depth and, and to re-engage with him. And finally, the rest of today, which is about 19, 20 minutes, is acts of service. Acts of service. This is what uh, John Wesley called compassionate ministry. And, and acts of service is compassionate ministry done towards others. So how is it that acts of service can open up a channel by which God pours his grace on us? I'll never forget the looks in the children's eyes when I was on a mission trip in Mexico. I was, uh, it was in Cuentro. Some of you are familiar with Encuentro. Uh, we still do it, in fact. Um, it's Mission Encounter in English. And Encuentro is... Uh, a mission trip that we take as a group of people put on. I think Southern Nazarene University still does it. Um, they're in charge of it, and they'll put it together and take a trip, a group of people down to Mexico. And uh, I was involved in that for several years. And we did a VBS. This is one of the things that you do. You know, they're like, what can you do? I don't, I don't know. Um, okay, you can do a VBS. All right, good. And, and seeing these kids' eyes, I was, we were playing soccer. And uh, they were so excited. I don't know if they were interested in me because I was playing soccer with them or if they just liked to watch me try to play, you know, like they're making fun of me and I just didn't really, I don't know. We were playing soccer and uh, I remember we, we got real thirsty and they all ran over and got some water out of the spigot, you know, right over on the side of the building, which growing up is what I would have done also. And I ran over there with them and one of the leaders was like, don't you dare drink that water. So I didn't, but the point is that my mission work turned out to be far different than what I expected. Sure, these kids loved the VBS, but my, person, my personal interaction with them was so much more impactful than anything else. It was a way that I could show them the love of Christ. I was interacting with them. I was talking with them. I was joking with them. They laughed at my broken Spanish. They laughed at my American accent. They, they um, had a good time. Like, but it was, it was that interaction that was impactful. John Wesley also called this works of mercy. Works of mercy. I want to dig into the idea a little deeper 
And, and look at how this is a means of grace. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 talks a lot about this. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the first thing is this, our acts of kindness, our acts of service have to be done with the right motive. Uh, when Madeline, Maddie, our, she's 13 now, well, she was one year old, I, can, I remember one year old. Um, we were in the living room and Cerise and I were, you know, she spent some time and every time she would take a step or two, we'd clap, yay, Maddie. Please start walking so we don't have to carry you everywhere. Yay. Step or two, step or two. And this, you know, this went on for a little while and we would clap. And, and we were sitting in the living room one time and um, she, I, I remember she was, like Cerise and I were on different sides and we weren't trying to make her walk or anything, but um, it was this time that she really took her first steps. And she walked all the way across the living room from one to the other. And we were like, She's doing it, wow, like parents do, you know. And the whole time, Morgan, who was like three or four at the time, is standing there, and she's like, what's, what's going on here? She's, and I, you can see the wheels turning. And, and it's, it's interesting because the, those first steps for a baby is, I don't know if you guys remember the TV show Sanford and Sons. It, it, those first steps remind me of Sanford when they're taking those steps. And, and Maddie, she's, you know, walking like this, right? some kind of strut going on. And then Morgan is looking and she's like, I got that. And so, so Morgan says, hey, mom and dad, look at me. And she begins to walk like, like Sanford across. So I don't know if Theresa remembers that, but when she did that, it was the funniest thing because she's like, hey, I can walk also. And so of course we were like, oh yeah, hey Morgan. She didn't understand at the time. We clapped for her. We hugged her. But there's a, a lesson there to learn. How many of us as Christians make sure when we do something, especially some work of mercy, we tell everybody what we did? So that everybody will say, yay, you did great. Matthew 6, 1. We just read it. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And, and what are these acts of righteousness that Jesus is talking about? In the New King James Version, it calls them charitable deeds. The original Greek means the charity. In other words, when you're doing acts of service, don't do them in a bragging way. Because the next verse says, if you do them that way, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven because you've, you've received your reward. You got it. And what are acts of service? I mean, honestly, it's anything that we do, things that we give, people we speak with, if it's going to help others. This doesn't have to be only physical help. It, it is often physical help. It can be physical help, but it, it's just anything that profits them physically or spiritually. It could be feeding the hungry or giving clothes to those who need it or helping strangers by 
um, giving them company or providing a place to stay. Visiting the sick. That's a great one. Go visit the sick or the prisoners or comforting those that need it. Giving instruction to those, discipling, mentoring those that ask. It's, it's any act of service. It's having compassion and acting on it. A lot of us will say, I have compassion. I, I, I'm compassionate towards that person. I want to do something. And then it stops there. The service part is doing something about it. Have compassion and then do. Doing our acts of mercy in front of men is not wrong in itself. I, I feel like sometimes we go overboard trying to be like, and then it turns into some kind of weird thing like, well, I'm going to, like if you're going to go help at a food kitchen or something on food pantry on Saturday morning and you're like, I can't tell you what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you because I don't want my, like it doesn't have to be like that. It's just if we're doing it with that motive, if we're doing it so that we can be seen, our good works are done to glorify God. That's the point. To glorify God. And so don't sound a trumpet. Isn't it interesting that it mentions not to do it and sound a trumpet? Tradition was the Pharisees, especially the Pharisees, when they would go to the synagogue to give, and they would have something to give to the poor, to announce that they had something to give, they would stand by the door and they would blow a trumpet. And the poor was like, ah, oh, something's at the synagogue. And they would come running. In my mind, it's, that's a caricature of what actually happened, but that's essentially what was going on. And I, the Pharisees, it became a thing where they would blow their horn so people would see that they had something to give to the poor. Because there's other ways to go about doing it. So it's, it's not doing it in front of people. It's just with what motive are you doing? And Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. They're not doing it because they want to help the poor. They're doing it so everybody pays attention to what it is that they're doing. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Again, I don't think it's that we have to be so super secretive. It's only if what we're doing is to glorify God and not ourselves. Because there's instances where you talking about something, if it's done in the right way, maybe teaches somebody else how to do the same thing or encourages them or motivates them. Maybe somebody doesn't tithe and doesn't know how to tithe. They don't even know what that is. And you tell them, I'm going to tithe. But you're not telling them so they know that you're giving a tithe of money or time or whatever it is. You're just telling them that what you're doing and it's a, it becomes a teaching thing. Like that's a good use of them knowing what you're doing. But if you're doing it like, watch this. I'm going to write my check right now. Did you see that? <laughs> like that's the wrong motive. Compassionate ministries have to be done. These acts of service, they have to be done. We talked a lot about us being God's ambassadors to the world. We love people so they can experience the love of God. We have grace for people so they can experience the grace of God. We are a conduit 
for the way that people receive his love and grace. It's an amazing concept. The more we're involved in acts of service, the more we're connected with the grace of God, the more that grace is passed on to others. Do you see how that works? Like I'm helping them, I'm giving them grace and, and God's grace is being poured out on me and I'm receiving it and, and I'm connecting with it even more and more in a deeper way and, and the deeper and more... Um, the more depth that creates in me, the more I can do for them. It's, it's the cycle, which is an amazing way that God has structured this. So what happens if we don't do compassionate ministries? What happens if we don't do acts of service? Not only is that other person not being blessed, but neither are we. We're missing it. You want to connect to the grace of God? then pay attention to acts of service because as you're blessing them, they're receiving God's grace, they're understanding the love of God, you're opening yourself up to the same thing. Two more things. We have to do it. Everyone who has kids knows the feeling. At some point in the night, that baby's gonna cry, <laughs> right? Some point in the night. And when Cerise and I had infants and there was a baby crying, we would both pretend like we were asleep. <laughs> Understanding neither one of us were actually asleep, but we would pretend, hoping that the other one would get up and take care of the baby. Who can, who can lay here and, oh, going to lay here just for, for a minute. Maybe she'll hear that baby cry. <laughs> but you guys know, don't laugh because you've done it. You've done the same thing. If one of us didn't feed the baby, then the baby was going to go uncared for, right? It's the same thing in acts of service. If you don't do it, it's not going to get done. One of the craziest things we hear around the church all the time around this building is, um, yeah, I saw that, some, here's an example. I haven't actually heard this specifically, so this is safe. Um, I saw the trash can was full. Oh, good. Is, did you empty it? No, no, no. I, somebody will do it. <laughs> well, who's somebody? Like, who, who is the magical somebody who magically comes in and the, tra like, the trash doesn't magically empty? It's like somebody empties it. It's a literal thing that happens. <laughs> so the thing is, is if, if we're not doing acts of service, then it's not going to be done. If you see that person that needs some help and you don't help them, then assume it's not going to happen for them. So we have to do it. Because if, if we don't do it, who will? Wesley says, when we don't do it ourselves, we lose an excellent means of increasing. Okay, this is a long quote, so pay attention. We lose an excellent means of increasing our thankfulness to God who has spared us from this pain and sickness and continues our health and strength as well as increasing our compassion for the afflicted, our benevolence, and all other similar social afflictions. We have to do it. We can be, as we perform these acts of service, for somebody who's undergoing an affliction, be thankful to God that we don't suffer from the same affliction. So we have to do it. And the next part of that is we have to do it. That's why, they're, that's why they're both yellow. We have to do it. And then we have to do it. 
This isn't an option. This isn't something that God says, you know what would be nice is if my people, maybe if they would do something. No. We have to do it. We can't ignore it. They're not just good ideas for us to consider. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but on the next slide and on the, on the notes, go through and dig into these things. I know it's small. I apologize. I didn't want to put them all. I, I didn't want to have a whole bunch of screens here. But um, in Leviticus, leave a portion for the poor. In Proverbs, kind to the poor, lend to the Lord. Uh, Ezekiel, Sodom was destroyed because they neglected the poor. In Luke, we have the story of the Good Samaritan. And then in Acts, uh, they were sharing everybody in the, in the early church. And in James, um, don't show favoritism. In Galatians, remember the poor. Like, it's throughout the scripture. Make a note of this and go home and read them all. Like, these are things we have to do. This is what the Christian life is like. This is a phrase you've heard, and I don't think we do a great job of practicing it. We must be Christians in both word and deed. Word and deed. What we say and how we act. Now, the how we act part, a lot of people are like, hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not cussing and living a dirty life, and I'm, not, I'm acting just fine. But if you're not doing acts of service, then really you're, you're not all the way there. Like we've got to be doing something. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying everybody needs to go and serve a soup kitchen this week. Like that's not necessarily what I'm saying. It could be, it could be mentoring somebody. It could be discipling somebody. It could be um, getting involved in the life of somebody who needs it. It could be feeding a meal to somebody who's mourning. It, it could be anything. Acts of service. I heard this. Um, there's been a lot about John Wesley. He's founded the Methodist movement which became the Methodist Church, scholars have studied so much about what he did. And this, one of the things that they've said, it was not so much that the Methodists were among the poor as the poor were among the Methodists. It, was, it wasn't so much that the Methodists were among the poor as the poor were among the Methodists. In other words, they felt so comfortable being around John Wesley and the Methodist Church and all, all the people that were involved in that, they felt so good about it that they were just always there. It wasn't that necessarily the Methodists went and in the beginning and found people. They did, but also that they felt comfortable being apart. A shared life together crosses economic, social, and ethnic boundaries. The kingdom of God will be a place that is as diverse as you can imagine. To hear the cry of the needy is to hear the cry of God's children. That child in Zimbabwe, that homeless man in the corner, the CEO in Houston, the migrant worker from Mexico, the family in the suburbs. Mother Teresa said, if we want the poor to see Christ in us, we have to see the image of Christ in the poor. Now that we know what Compassionate Ministries is, acts of service as a means of grace, knowing that we can do those things to attend to the work of God in our lives, I want you to know that we as a church, as, as the pastor of this church, and as leaders in this church, that are other leaders, we want to provide opportunities for people to 
for us as a church to be involved in those acts of service. Like we want to create opportunities. There are plenty out there, but we also want to create them. Just like uh, yesterday was the Uplift Food Distribution. It's, that's something you can be a part of, involved in. And, you know, one of the things we found about the Uplift Food we're distributing food. We are, we've partnered with Tarrant County Food Bank. We give this food out. It's not only the people working to pass the food out or to be here when the delivery comes and set up tables and, and put on vests and direct traffic and all those things. They need to happen. That's true. But it's also spreading the word. There's so many people who don't know that that's an opportunity. One of the challenges that we found is uh, sometimes if the word doesn't get out correctly, people don't know. And we're just, we're trying to help. So maybe you have expertise in that, in, in helping people know. Uplift food distribution. Did you know that every year we collect coats for the cactus ministry? That's going to be something that's, we're actually going to get ready to start now. I, I think, how about an act of service is we mount a significant coat and glove drive that we can distribute to uh, Cactus Texas. We have a, a, it's a mission field um, we have people who have come, so many people from Africa, and it's uh, the Hutu and the, and the, I can't remember the name of the other tribe. Um, they, they have like their enemies in, in Africa, but they've come over here and they've kind of come together. And it's, this is an incredible ministry that's happening over by Amarillo, North America. Who would have thought, right? But we have that going on. So this is a way for us to connect with that. But I think more than just collect it, because that's easy. Let's do that. Let's put a team of people together and go and actually pass them out. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, Thanksgiving's coming up. We were just talking about that. Wouldn't it be neat if we could get a couple hundred turkeys as part of the Uplift food distribution? And I don't know what, we don't know what Tarrant County Food Bank's got planned yet, but what if we just gave a whole bunch of turkeys out to people who need it, who maybe otherwise aren't going to have any kind of a good Thanksgiving? What if we were able to do that? everybody in this room probably, maybe you've had turkey so many times, you're like, I don't even know if I want a turkey this year. You could go buy a couple. Maybe you buy one and instead of you eat it, you give it to somebody else. I don't know. These are just things I'm thinking about. I haven't even, sorry, Miss Heather, I hadn't talked to you about that yet. But I was thinking about, like, how can we do acts of service, be involved with our community, do things for people who need the help, Right? Man, I, I hope, and we're going to close with a song here. I did go a few minutes long, but I just think that it's so important for us to be involved in these acts of service, these compassionate ministries. It's not only good for the community. It's not only what God has called us to do, but it also is a spiritual discipline. Isn't that crazy? When I say spiritual discipline, you, probably everybody has this idea in mind, like I need to go find a quiet room, sit by myself, and read the Bible for a day, which isn't a bad thing. That, that would be a good practice of several different spiritual disciplines. But also, the things we've talked about today. As an act of service, helping people is a way of connecting with God and creating spiritual depth within us. Isn't that awesome? I just hope that we can continue to do those things. And we need, like I said, we need not only workers, but we need thinkers we need people who are good at advertising and good at spreading the word and good at helping to put things together. And we have people doing all different parts of these ministries. I'll try, I'll try to get a, a big 
box of some sort that we can put out in the lobby and start collecting coats and gloves. Just make a significant showing, you know? And then take a dozen people. We got a church van that holds 15. To Cactus, Texas. Pass them out. You'll get to see the eyes of the kids who don't have a coat. If you've ever been to Amarillo, it's a necessity. It's windy and cold in the winter. So, and understand, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty about anything. I'm just, this is just teaching. It's, it's in the scripture. It's what God has called us to do. And as Jesus taught the kingdom of God, this is kingdom work. This is what his gospel is. It's a good news of the kingdom of God where people who don't have coats get coats. Where people who don't have turkeys can have a turkey. Right? It's, it's an amazing thing. So, would you guys stand with me? If you will, bow your heads and I want to spend just about 60 seconds in a time of reflection. God, in what ways can I do acts of service? You don't have to do a corporate act of service like we've been talking about, the things and these ideas that we have. These are great ideas, but there may be somebody in your life you're thinking of right now who needs a meal. There may be somebody right now who child who doesn't have a mom or a dad who needs your affection, your love. We have also partnered with uh, several different ministries. If you want to help, uh, we have a crisis pregnancy center, women to women. We haven't talked much about them. We're helping with them. We have um, Stephen Amanda Pettit's ministry with traffic victims. We Tracy Clefcorn's heading up the one that we help with families that need emergency help. Like we have so many ways. So God, just point out to us ways that we can connect with you by acts of service. We love you today and we want to be connected with you. We want your grace poured out on us. We want to connect with it even more. We want to feel your love and your affection. And, and we're so happy that you give that to us. Help us to be conduits of that to others. Show us how to do and who to help these, with these acts of service, I pray. And thank you for special ways, these disciplines, that we can connect with you and become even deeper spiritually formed. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys all so much for being with us. I got the band up here. We're going to close with this song, but as they lead us in worship, feel free to, to leave today. But I'm just grateful you were here today. Come back next week. We're going to wrap up the disciplines and then the following week with the covenant renewal. And don't forget, back to church Sunday. Big deal. Have a meal and everything after the service. So bring some friends. Receive a foundation.